someone else's journey is our lesson. We used to say, the difficult we do immediately, the impossible just takes a little more time. Someone else's lesson is our gift. I believe part of our responsibility is really to equip and inspire our students to ask those difficult questions. Be encouraged by the stories that lift us all. I came to Howard because I wanted to be the President of the United States. Somebody saw something in me, and it's my duty to be that person for somebody else. Now, join Dr. Wayne Frederick, President of Howard University, and his guest on The Journey. He has been known to spend months or even years searching for the heart of a matter. He finds details that have been overlooked and perspectives that have been forgotten. The stories that he tells are ones that few people want to tell, but everybody wants to know. Hello, I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick, and my guest today on The Journey is Pulitzer Prize winning reporter for The Washington Post and son of Howard, Keith Alexander. Welcome. Dr. Frederick, thank you very much. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Well, we're, we're very proud of you, and we're glad that you could join us today. Now, you grew up in Pittsburgh. I did. I, I, well, before I go into that, let me just take, since I'm, a, since I'm a guest, let me just say, first of all, again, thank you. But most of all, thank you for what you've done to Howard, for, for Howard. Uh, you know, as you pointed out, I am a journalist. And so as journalists, we go by what we see, less by what we're told. Right. And I have seen so much. Well, since you have taken that. over this administration. So thank you very much for what you're doing uh, for my alma mater, for our, our alma mater. And I just really want to just say thank you for everything that's going on here. I appreciate that very much. That means a lot to me, especially coming from a straight-shooting journalist like yourself. So I appreciate I, I, that we, very we much. We go by what we see. <laughs> so I'm, And I'm seeing that. some good things. So I'm very, 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 very honored to be here. And to answer your question, yes, yeah. I, I grew up um, in a steel town right outside Pittsburgh. Um, it's a little small town called Homestead, Pennsylvania. Um, and it's a, it's one of those towns where everybody knew everybody's business. Um, <laughs> we only had we had three black churches, and we had one high school, one junior high school, and one middle school, and one elementary school. So we all literally for generations grew up. So I so my family knew my friends' parents and grandparents, and so it's one of those Peyton Place type of uh, places uh, that I grew up in. But yeah, Homestead, Pennsylvania. That's I tell people that's where I grew up uh, uh, becoming a journalist because I was. Always in folks' business because all you had to you know, all we did was sit on, on everybody's porches, front porches, and talk about folks as they walked up and down, talk, told their whole <laughs> life history. I said, That's so and so's son. Well, let me tell you about so and so's mama and so and so's grandma. Right. And so we grew up listening to those stories, and, and, and you know, I grew up realizing, Oh, wait a minute, I can make a living. I can get paid for asking questions and getting folks' business. Oh, yeah, I want to be a reporter. That's what I want to be. I so love that. I, I love that. So what did your parents do? Um, my mother worked for a bank um, there in Pittsburgh. She was an accountant. Um, and my father was a prison guard. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, yeah. my, my stepfather uh, was also a prison officer as oh, well. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very yeah. unique type of, of work. Yeah, my, and my grandmother, I, I got to give a shout out to my grandmother, um, she graduated from Claflin University in 1923. Okay. Uh, she was a teacher, a math teacher, um, and uh, so I still have her degree uh, in my house, along with my Howard diploma, but I have her Claflin University oh. uh, uh, degree up in my house, and so I'm very, very proud of, uh, I'm not the first person to gra- graduate from college, but uh, my grandmother, she set that bar very high. That's, that's fantastic. And, and graduating from one of our HBCUs, that's, right. that's, that's fantastic. So tell me a, a little bit of what got you interested in journalism, period. I mean, when did you really start seeing a path towards becoming a, a reporter? Well, like I said, I was always uh, 
people call me nosy or, or, or nebby as, as, as a term that we use back in Pittsburgh. Um, always getting in folks' business, always, always asking questions, always trying to find out why and what's going on. And, just, and I think maybe probably for being an only child, um, I was able to always ask questions. And I was always just, regardless of who it was coming up to me, an adult or preacher or whoever, I would always just ask questions. Um, I was uh, 15, 15, 16 years old at the time, and there was an organization made up of black journalists in Pittsburgh called the Pittsburgh Black Media Federation. It is an affiliate chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists. Mm-hmm. And I read about a workshop that they were having for high school kids um, in Pittsburgh, who for black high school kids in Pittsburgh who were interested in journalism. Um, I read about it in the Pittsburgh Courier, and at that time they were only accepting juniors and seniors in, in high school. I was a sophomore. So I contacted the reporter who wrote the story for the Pittsburgh Courier, and I said, look, I'm a, I'm a sophomore, about to my sophomore year of high school. I know I'm, I'm, I probably won't qualify, but how can I become a, a participant of this program? And so long story short, she helped me write an essay, and, and uh, I got in, into the program. It was a nine-week consecutive Saturday program for nine hours each Saturday, and I was always the last person left because I had to learn how to type. I was just <laughs> hunting and pecking, didn't know how to type. I was in the program with uh, Sharon Epperson, who's now at uh, NBC News, CNBC. Um, and we were just just dedicated to being reported. And it, was, and it was the first time, Dr. Frederick, where, like, you know, when people come to Howard, they realize this. But it was the first time where I saw other young people who had the same goals and aspirations as I did. All these young people who wanted to be a reporter, because for for me, I thought I was by myself, right? I thought I was I was I grew up with my grandmother and my mother always reading the newspaper every day. They read the newspaper and they read the Bible, mm-hmm. and and I knew I wasn't gonna have anything to do with the Bible in terms of a preacher. <laughs> um, I believe in the Bible, but I knew I wasn't gonna be a preacher. But right. I said, well, this newspaper really got my has my grandmother's attention. I mean, she would be at the, at the kitchen table for hours studying the newspaper. And I'm like, wow, I want that. I want someone to study what I'm doing like she's studying that newspaper. And so I applied for this workshop, got in the workshop, and after the workshop, I got my first job at the Pittsburgh Press at 16 years old. Got my first job. The the editor of the Pittsburgh Press came in to speak to us. Mm -hmm. um, And after he spoke to us, I went up to him and said, hey, you have a job for a 16-year-old kid. So they hired me on the city desk and like a little Jimmy Olsen type uh, guy who was running around the newsroom and giving out stories to, to, to editors and what have you. And then I asked to write a story. I was bold enough to ask one of the editors, okay, I'm here. Can I at least get a byline? At, at, at the age of 16. At the age of 16. You're listening to The Journey. My guest today is Keith Alexander. I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick. So... At the age of 16, you, you make a pitch to write a story. Tell me, I'm sure you remember what the story was about. Tell us what that story was about. It was an obituary. Um, it, you know, it was a very simple story of someone, someone who had passed away, and, we, and, and some of the re- reporters were writing obituaries. Obituaries were really, you know, obviously very emotional. And, and so I, um, I asked one of the editors, you know, I think I can write an obituary. It's, it's, it's not a hard news, a difficult news story. Talk to some family members and about mm-hmm. this deceased person. And um, so the editor, Karen Marcus, who I remember to this day, um, she says, sure, you can, you can write this obituary. And I used the training that I had from the, this high school workshop, and I wrote this story on this man who died of a heart attack, left his siblings and, and his children, his grandchildren, and... It was published in the Pittsburgh Press with my byline, Keith L. Alexander. And so c- clearly y- you decided you would further your education. Why Howard University? Um, why, 
Why Howard? Wow. Um, I I knew I uh, Homestead was predominantly a white town, and I wanted to go somewhere where I wasn't a minority. Okay. I also wanted to go to Washington D.C. I'm a journalist. Where else? But Washington, D.C. So I said, Howard. Howard was the only school I applied to. Wow. I really, well, first of all, I couldn't apply. I couldn't afford to apply to a lot of the schools. Um, But it was the only school I applied to. And I said, well, if I don't get into Howard, I guess I'll go to the University of Pittsburgh. I'll just stay in Pittsburgh. But it was the only school I applied to. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. I had all the folks (laughs) that I would get in. And and also, also, what I really think got me into Howard was that, remember, I got into this urban journalist workshop at 16. Okay. So I had three years of being in that workshop, three years of experience in this workshop, three years of stories that I wrote in the workshop, as well as the Pittsburgh Press. I got a, I got a job at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette the year after that. Okay. Got another story written in the Post-Gazette, plus my stories that I wrote for the, my school newspaper, because I was the editor of my school newspaper. Right. So all of that experience... Plus my grades and everything, I think, got me into Howard. So got into Howard, landed here, came here with a, a portfolio of stories already as a freshman, came in, hit the ground running, got a job at the Hilltop, got a job at WHB, WHBC, the, the yep. student radio, the uh, radio station, station yep. and... And just decided I'm going to immerse myself in journalism here at Howard. And that's what I did. Now, you, you obviously came here with, as you said, a, a significant experience and obviously a lot of motivation as to what you wanted to do. But clearly, there was something about your Howard experience that shaped what you do now. And, and you obviously write very, very intriguing investigative stories, a lot associated with crime. Tell me a little bit about what you got at Howard that really shaped what you do today and how you apply that? Well, you know, at Howard, you know, I, ironically enough, I was the entertainment editor for two years at the Hilltop. Mm. Had nothing to do with crime, right? right? <laughs> um, and I, I loved it. Well, it, it depends on how you look at it. it, is, it <laughs> that is very true, depending on who the entertainer is. Um, <laughs> but um, what Howard taught me, I mean, I was here at a time when there were some talented student journalists here who are at some of the top newspapers. I mean, Michelle Miller was here, mm-hmm. who is now CBS. Yep. Um, Stanley Barrett, who is now ESPN. Yep. I mean, iron sharpened iron yep. when I was here. And I was around people who I wanted to be so much like. And, I mean, I remember these, these student journalists who we were always trying to get the best internships. We mm. were trying to get the best stories. And we, it was competitive. For the first 20 years of my career, I was a business writer. I was a business writer because I interned at the Wall Street Journal when I was in college. And one of the things I learned at Howard, at the Wall Street Journal, was that there weren't too many black folk who wrote business. Mm -hmm. And so who who could understand a balance sheet, who could understand annual reports, earnings reports, things of that nature. And I I focused on being a business writer because I also knew that as a black business writer, I can probably pick and choose where I wanted to go. Right. so I covered the airline industry and covered every airline for, for years. Um, and then because I covered the airline industry, they, USA Today and all these places hired me. Washington Post hired me and gave me a column, my own weekly column. And I was one of the youngest people ever to have a weekly column at the time at, uh, the, at, the, at the Washington Post. Excellent. And then I got hired, you know, covering airlines. And then 9-11 happened, right? September 11th, mm-hmm. uh, the terrorist attacks. I'm an airline writer. So I'm the lead writer covering the September 11th attacks. And 
it was such an incredible time because, again, I'm going back to my Howard days of, Keith, you've got to be better than. Right. Not just better than. you got to be better on everyone around you. That's you right. want people to be angry that you got that story. You got that page one story. You got that exclusive. And that's what Howard taught me. Howard taught yeah. me is that you've, to, to, get, to, to get that scoop, you've got to be better. You've got you to work well into the morning into the evening, you've got to be better than. Now, you, you've obviously won a Pulitzer Prize and covering what I would say is the topic of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at African-American males in this country being um, gunned down um, in the streets, and obviously we have lots of sentiment for police officers who have a difficult job, but at the same time, um, there's significant carnage among us. What is your perspective as a African-American male in society today covering these stories, writing about them, obviously winning a Pulitzer Prize for doing that well, but what is your own emotional um, perspective about what's taking place? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you know, last year, the team that I worked on, we did something at the Washington Post that no one has ever done before, right? I mean, not only no newspaper or TV station, but the FBI, the Department of Justice, even the White House, no one ever tracked how many people are fatally shot by police. And that's something that we set out and we did. Nine, over 990 uh, men and women were fatally shot last year by police. And it looks like this year we're even going to surpass that number. And what it taught me, I mean, one of the things, the reason why I became a journalist, and you asked this question earlier, was that I heard the, the former editor of the, of the Washington Post, Lynn Down, and he said he would always preach this, and, and this has now become a mantra, is that as a journalist, I should be a voice for the voiceless mm-hmm. and to hold the powerful accountable. Be a voice for the voiceless and hold the powerful accountable. So what does that mean? A voice for these men and women who've been killed. Why were they killed? What happened? What is their story? Did they have mental illness? Were they drunk? Um, was it suicide by cop? Were they armed? Were they unarmed? Being a voice, telling their story, mm-hmm. and then holding the powerful accountable, the police officer, the prosecutors, the judges, the police chiefs, the mayors of these towns. Why is it that this happened? Why is it these officers, this officer who was involved in a fatal shooting, has killed two or three times? and has never experienced any type of discipline. Why is this officer still an officer? Asking those tough questions. And I think that is what we're trying to do. That's what we try to do with that, with that series that won the Pulitzer, and that's what I continue to try to do as a crime writer, telling the stories of these victims mm-hmm. and asking the questions that they might not answer from, uh, from someone who's on the street, but they will answer from the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. That's what I try to do. Well, thanks for being here. My guest today has been Keith Alexander. He's a Howard alum, a Pulitzer Prize winner, but most importantly, he is giving voice to the voiceless and holding the powerful accountable. I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick. Please join me next time on The Journey. You've been listening to The Journey with Dr. Wayne Frederick on the Howard University Radio Network.